So just to state for the record, today is March 24th, 2021, and my name is Ben Bauman. I'm here in Indianapolis, Indiana, and I'm speaking via phone with Richard Boning, who is in, is it Lafayette, Indiana? Well, no. Uh, it's Richard, I pronounce it Benning. That's B-O-E-H-N-I-N-G. Oh, okay. Richard Benning, uh, okay. People can't spell it. People can't pronounce it, so you're not an unusual situation. Uh but I now live in Fort Myers, Florida. Fort Myers, Florida. Okay, got it. And we are doing an interview for the Indiana Legislative Oral History Initiative. So just starting off, when and where were you born? I was born in uh, Rensselaer, Indiana, which is in Jasper County on July 2nd, 1937, the same day that Amelia Earhart went missing. Wow, okay. Interesting. <laughs> That's our trivia fact there. Wow. Trivia, yes, indeed. Uh, and uh, what were your parents' names? My father's name was Virgil Benning, and my mother's name was Catherine. Her maiden name was Hoferlin, H-O-E-F-E-R-L-I-N. Okay. And uh, where was your family from before Indiana? Uh, well, my father's... Uh, my grandfather came from Peoria, Illinois, mm-hmm. uh, and my mother's family migrated from the east through uh, eventually Ohio and then Indiana. Oh, okay. Interesting. Uh-huh. And uh, what were your parents' occupations? My father was a truck driver, and my mother was a housewife. Okay. So how would you describe your childhood? Uh, I grew up in Francisville, Indiana, which is a town of uh, small town in Pulaski County, um, about a thousand people or less. And uh, I had a, a great life. And the older I get, and the more I learn, uh, I kind of realize it was a uh, it was a great life, a great opportunity. I always thought that the uh, <laughs> the education system wasn't the best. The school system was sort of run by the township trustee and he was always pretty tight with the money, so when it came to getting the best teachers, uh, we had a few good teachers that were there for long periods of time, but a lot of the new teachers were on the low end of the scale, so okay. you know, I thought, eh, education wasn't so good, but you know, the results were good. I mean, I look at uh, what uh, some of my compatriots in my class and classes behind me did, and we had a, a nice high percentage that graduated from college and went on to have successful uh, professional careers. Yeah, okay. That's good. And who would you say was the most influential uh, people in your childhood? Oh, my uh, my mother and my, pater- my maternal grandfather. Oh, okay. Interesting. And why were they so influential? Uh, I don't know. My, uh, my mother was pretty unusual. She gave me a lot of freedoms. Uh, I was always kind of an independent sort. Uh, and uh, you know, I started working construction when I was 14. And, and I started working for the Monon Railroad as a student telegrapher when I was 15. And I was working for the railroad as a telegrapher, taking the place of of uh, train agents who were going on vacation for two weeks at the started at in uh, June of uh, my junior year in high school and I was 16 at the time I had turned 17 in July but I started actually when I was 16 so you know it was pretty young but, but you know I commuted to wherever the job was in northwest Indiana on the on the Moon on Railroad and enjoyed that independence and so that kind of got me going uh, uh, I was sort of stubborn uh, kind of wanted it my way okay uh, you know I was actually I was very stubborn <laughs> fair enough all right and did you have much understanding about your family's politics or political beliefs as a child uh, you know, uh, not not as a child, but as I uh, as I got older into my my teens, 
our family always chuckled at my maternal grandparents. Uh, my grandmother was a was a Republican Baptist, okay. and my grandfather was a Democrat Catholic. Wow! And, uh, you know, that was quite a contrast. Yeah, definitely. But but they got along fine, and their marriage survived for many 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 years until they both passed away. So, uh, but no, politics was not a a big thing in our lives. Okay. Now, how would you describe your educational experiences in terms of, did you have any favorite subjects or extracurricular activities that you were involved in? You're talking in college? Uh, I guess in, in like high school and college. Uh, well, high school, again, it was a small school. Yeah. It, uh, the choices weren't not, uh, not a lot. The yeah. choices weren't too great, but uh, yeah, I did all of the activities. I mean, yeah, I was president of the class in the eighth grade, the ninth grade, the tenth grade, the eleventh grade, and the twelfth grade. And you know, <laughs> I I did I was active in a, in just a lot of activities in high school, uh, but in college, uh, uh, not not quite so much. I kind of emphasized the studying and uh, just. We our family had little no money, so it was pretty important that uh, I not play in college, but use my time wisely and right. and get out as soon as I could, just from an efficiency standpoint. Sure. And where did you go to college? Indiana University at Bloomington. Okay. I was involved in the business law program, which was uh, uh, actually I was interested in business, not so much law, but I thought law would be a good a good uh, graduate degree to have rather than getting an MBA. So I got in the, it was the 3-3 program where you spent three years in business school, and then your senior year you went uh, to law school, or your first year of law school, and your credits counted both for your uh, undergraduate degree in the business school and for your law degree. So that saved me a year. Um, and then I went summer school at law school also, and, and business school. Yeah, okay. Cool. Now, as a child growing up, did you have any views about the state of Indiana or about being a Hoosier? Um, no, you know, I, I don't think that I did. I mean... Uh, yeah, I love basketball. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. good, but I loved it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I can remember I was when 1953 when Milan played Muncie Central. In the yeah. Famous Bobby Plum game. And, uh, but, no, I don't think so. Okay. As far as being a Hoosier compared to being a Buckeye or, you know, living in Kentucky, no, I, I did not. Yeah, okay, sure. Uh, did you enjoy your experiences at IU? I did. Uh, I enjoyed the business school more than the law school. Okay. Law school was extremely competitive. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I did. Those were those were great years. Did you start to develop sort of a, a political identity uh, as you went through college? No. No, Okay. But, you know, both my parents were Republicans. Okay. And, and you know, in my small town, I would say 80% of the people in the town were Republicans. Right. It was just a very conservative, German-based type community. Yeah. Uh, just very conservative in nature. And I think that had a lot to do with my political upbringing. Yeah. Sure. So what was your first job out of college? My first job out of college was uh, I joined uh, a lawyer in Lafayette, Indiana, by the name of uh, William Bennett, or Bill Bennett, okay. uh, who, was, who was a sole practitioner. And we practiced law together, and we stayed together uh, uh, for, I had my license for 50 years, even though during the years 46 to 50 I was kind of semi-retired yeah. and was starting to back out a little bit and 
would have given up my license before that, but my wife said, no, you work too hard for it. Keep it for 50 years. So I did. Okay. <laughs> that works. <laughs> yeah. And when did you get married? I, I got married uh, while I was in college, actually, in my sophomore year. Oh, okay. Graduate school. Oh, okay. Cool. And uh, do you have any children? Five children, yes. Okay, wow. All right. By the time I got out of law school, we had two children. Oh, So you can okay. see why I was anxious. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, how would you say your family influenced your career? Uh, well, it's primarily my mother, uh, but just having confidence in me and giving me a lot of freedoms to do what I wanted to do. I mean, I was playing around. I, I had a stock market account with a... Uh, an investment firm when I was 16 and made enough money in the stock market to buy me a, uh, a used a used car that was actually just a year old. So oh, I okay. mean, she really encouraged me in a, in a lot of ways. And, and uh, you know, I didn't have hours and she just, she just gave me a lot of freedom and she just said, don't abuse the privileges that I give you. So I think that kind of gave me a, a good start. Yeah, that's cool. Wow. And so how did you become more seriously involved in politics? Um, Well, I started practicing law in Lafayette, Indiana, and we moved into a neighborhood in Lafayette, and one of my neighbors, one, two, three doors down, was a gentleman by the name of O.U. Sullivan, and he was... uh, active in the local Lafayette Republican politics. In fact, his brother was lieutenant governor in Mississippi, I think, one of the southern states. So he had always been involved in, uh, in politics. And, uh, and I started practicing law in 1961. And, but in 1963, he said, uh, why don't you become a precinct committeeman and help me work on on Don Blue's uh, mayoral race that was being held, let's see, that was in yeah in nineteen in the fall of nineteen sixty three. So I did. I became a precinct committeeman and worked my precinct. And got involved in politics and kind of worked with him and and became active in uh, Don Blue's uh, bid for mayor of Lafayette. Oh, okay. And then when Don Blue won, he asked me to be city attorney. Go oh, wow! You know, I've only lived here two years. Yeah. So that was very complimentary to Lafayette, actually, because you know, as a university town, it had a lot of people in and out. So the philosophy of the town was, you know, we don't know strangers. You come into our town, you're accepted. You don't have to live here for three generations for us to know you. Right. That, right. Was, that was really something. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. And as you initially became involved in politics. Did you start to develop an idea of, like, what key issues uh, were important to you? No. No, okay. I just love politics for politics. Okay, sure. Not not issue-oriented. Now, how did you get involved with the Indiana General Assembly? Well, I was a city attorney, and uh, for 1964 and 19... 65 and in 1966 uh, uh, the existing legislators representing the county and we had two in the county was a we didn't have single districts at the time uh, retired one died and one decided well, no, they just decided not to run uh, and uh, so a bunch of Republicans ran I think there was six or seven of us ran in the primary and the, and the persons with the top two votes uh, were the people rep- representing the Republican Party in the general election in November and uh, uh, <laughs> there are a lot of well-known people running in that uh, election including the vice chairman of the Republican Party and, and that was Frances Gaylord she got uh, more votes in that election in that primary than I did but I came in second so Boom! I was uh, I was uh, on the ticket, and 
then, you know, during the summer months, uh, uh, I don't know, for, I seemingly had more appeal to moderate and independence than a lot of Democrats or Republicans. And I, and I don't know why, but mm-hmm. I, I did, but I got then the most votes in the fall election and, and, um, uh, got more than Francis Gaylord or two Democrat uh, candidates that were running against me because I think I had more of an appeal to uh, independents and even some Democrats. Okay, interesting. Now, was there any legislation that you wanted to champion or fight against? Not that I recall. Okay. Did you have any political heroes at the time? Uh, no, I can't okay. say I did. Interesting, all right. Uh, now, what type of uh, campaign did you run? Was it kind of a, one of those group campaigns, or was it an individual campaign? It, it was individual campaigns. Okay. Uh, you know, you mispronounced my name when you got me on the phone here, and my name is hard to spell, so I used that in my initial campaigning. And, uh, like I had billboards with my name misspelled four times and then <laughs> crossed out and then spelled the correct way the last time. And it was, it was kind of funny, yeah. but people remembered it. So it was a, it was a name recognition thing. So, uh, um, that's funny. <laughs> we didn't spend a lot of money on campaigns at the time. I, well, we just didn't. Yeah. Did you emphasize any particular things in your campaign? No, not that I recall. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm going to tell you a little bit philosophically here. Uh, yeah. Every, everything that happens now, how old are you, Ben? Uh, 26. Oh, gee. All right, I've got grandkids older than you. All right, but... Uh, <laughs> Everything that happens now is a lemon, and they try to make lemonade out of it. I uh-huh. mean, nothing can happen in society today that that is not made a political issue one way or the other. Whether it's COVID nineteen or the, the the killing of nine people or ten people in Boulder, Colorado, recently, or whatever it might be, has to become a political issue. And uh, I get. I get so tired of it and sick of it because it was not like that back when we ran. We were, you know, yeah, there were there were issues, but in essence, you voted for a person not based on where he stood on the issues, but you voted for a person by saying, I trust this guy's judgment, mm-hmm. and I think he will make good decisions for me and will represent me in the General Assembly. Not issues, character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's interesting. And so I guess you feel like politics has changed quite a bit then from when you served. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, it's pretty sad when I can't watch. I haven't watched news for years on television. I don't even know why they call it news. Yeah. I mean, it's, it so upsets me Yeah. Uh, yeah. that I refuse to... To and the only I read a few things on the internet. I read the Wall Street Journal, and that's it. But but uh, in a in a way, it's it's too sad. It's it's really sad. Yeah, yeah. And and why do you think it has has drifted into kind of a, a, a political situation where it's it's mostly you know lots of opinion pieces and cultural issues are, are talked about almost nonstop. Like, what? Why is that? Because it works. Okay. Because it gets attention. Yeah, it's not right, but it works. Yeah. Yeah. It's not right in my opinion. My humble opinion. Yeah. It's, well, I guess, yeah, people like, kind of like uh, gossip more than news, and uh, that's... Yeah, that's interesting. You know, and, and again, I grew up in a Christian community where... Lying was frowned upon. I mean, you didn't lie. Mm-hmm. You didn't stretch the truth. But 
again, this is an old man talking. Sometimes <laughs> I feel like that standard would be laughed at today. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Wow. Have you noticed the if the Indiana General Assembly has changed a lot, in your opinion? Um, yeah, I'm assuming that it has. I really don't follow it that closely. Okay. Uh, you know, I could draw some conclusions, but those conclusions would be based on not facts. So mm -hmm. I would say it probably has changed, but if you ask me specifically in what regard, you know, I... Yeah. I really couldn't tell you. Right, right. Okay. Now, when you were campaigning, did you have a campaign strategy at all? Um, yeah, I had a pretty much, it was just pretty much a get out the vote thing. Okay, sure. Uh, you know, my billboard, everything, I had a consistent color in my campaign, brochures and and things, and I, you know, I, uh, I had this uh, postcard campaign where it said, uh, "I'm a Benning backer. Won't you join me in voting for Dick Benning?" And then I had these packets and gave packets of ten to people who would say, "I say, you want to help my campaign?" And I'd say this kind of to independents and Democrats. I said, "Sure, Nick, we like you." I said, well, "Would you mail uh, ten of these?" They had they were stamped. Just fill out an address, 10 of your friends who are independent or Democrat, and send them out to them. And uh, we did uh, hundreds of these things. And, and, uh, and we sat at a certain time when they were to send them out, like 10 days before the election. But that worked very well for me. I mean, I had some people saying, I got five postcards in the mail today about you. Uh, so that, that type of thing, uh, just a get-out-the-vote situation. Yeah, okay. And what it was, was cheap? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, that's true. That works. <laughs> what was the most important thing to you as a candidate? Selling myself. Yeah. That people could trust me. And did you have a, a particular method of of uh, sort of selling that to people? No. No, not really. Okay. What was your first election day like? My first election day? Yeah. Oh, it was pretty exciting. Uh, it was the primary election. And uh, we all went down to the local newspaper when, the, as I recall, that's where we were, the Journal Courier. The votes were coming in. They had sort of a station there where they report from the courthouse. And, and it was kind of fun watching those votes come in and, and, uh, and winning the election. Yeah. What were you thinking uh, when you walked into the state house your first day in office as an elected official in the General Assembly? I felt proud, you know. Said, so, yeah, you know, I, I, I knew I, I'd really done well. I mean, I was the first person in my family to ever graduate from college, and so yeah. this was a nice accomplishment uh, for me and for my family, my parents, my grandparents. Uh, so I felt. I felt good about that. Yeah, that's that's really neat. What expectations did you have for the legislative process? Well, I, you know, I just didn't know what the process was. I, I mean, I, uh, I read every bill. I mean, every bill that came up for a vote I had read. And I spent hours and hours at night reading these bills. And I think Adam Benjamin from uh, Blake County and myself were the only two that read all of the bills. But okay. it, I mean, you can't do that anymore because they're too long, they're too complicated, and, but they were a lot shorter and there were fewer of them and they were a lot simpler then. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. How did you learn the ins and outs of state politics? Uh, just by building up friendships and relationships with uh, with people. Uh, my uh, After the primary election, when I was uh, elected to represent the Republican Party in the fall general election, uh, got a knock on the door one 
one day and went to the door and there was a guy standing at the door. He said, uh, my name is uh, Otis Bowen. Uh, congratulations on winning the primary election. I'd like to come in and talk to you about uh, the upcoming session. I said, sure, come on in. Wow, okay. So, <laughs> he walked in and introduced himself and asked about uh, our family and where I was from. I said, oh, you know, grew up in Francisville, Indiana, went to high school there. He goes, you did? He said, I graduated from high school in Francisville, Indiana. What <laughs> are the coincidence there? So I, remi- <laughs> I kind of immediately had a relationship with Doc Bowen. Yeah. Uh, uh, he, you know, he said, I'm running for Speaker of the House. Will you support me? And I said, yes. I mean, that was a good decision. Yes. But it was a decision I shouldn't have made at the time because yeah. I didn't know who he was running against. I didn't know the politics of it, but I yeah. just liked him. I said, sure, I'll do that. Yeah. Uh, mis- mistake. But, <laughs> and then as the, as the fall went on and headed towards the election, uh, Bill Ruckelshaus, who was the uh, going to be elected as the majority leader, and uh, and what was his name? Uh, Billy Howard, who they were sort of running as a team. Ruckelshaus wanted to be majority leader, and Billy Howard wanted to be speaker. And uh, they would come to Lafayette and s- sit out in my office and kind of bug me to get me to change my mind because the the vote was very close, you know, and in fact, uh, after the election, there were 66 Republicans elected, and uh, we went to vote for Speaker of the House, the first ballot was 33 to 33, and so, you know, uh, Otis Bowen was uh, appreciative of the fact, he knew I was under a lot of pressure, and he was appreciative of the fact that uh, I had stuck with him, and uh, we liked each other, and uh, so, before I was ever voted on a bill, he appointed me as chairman of this Cities and Towns Committee. Yeah. So, boom. I hadn't served a day, and I was chairman of a committee. Wow. Yeah. That's, but that's there were a lot of new people there. So, okay. I mean, it was a, he had to fill these. There, there were not a lot. I mean, because the prior time had been the Goldwater debacle in 64. Yeah. All the Republicans were swept out, and new Republicans were swept in in, in 66. And so... There are a lot of new positions to fill, and not a lot of uh, old timers in there to fill them. Yeah, yeah. So, would you say that uh, Bowen was one of your political mentors in the General Assembly? Absolutely. Yeah. So, how did you know the needs and wants of your constituents? Well, you you listen to them. Uh, uh, you get letters from them. They all have uh, feelings and and. Uh, uh, I don't know, you, it's just a, sort of a third sense, I guess. Fifth sense, whatever. <laughs> Sixth sense. <laughs> <laughs> Did you uh, ever get any kind of sort of hostile letters from constituents at all? Or or were they all generally fairly friendly? They, uh, no, I didn't. they weren't hostile, but I got a, a letter once from a lady... Uh, elderly lady who I knew back in Lafayette and uh, she was a very devoted Christian and uh, it's when we were debating in uh, uh, the Sunday closing law mm. you know we used to have a law in Indiana where businesses businesses could not open on Sunday unless it was a, uh, a business where it had to be open well maybe like pharmacy or something like that and uh so i was kind of i was not as conservative as she was and and uh i was going to be voting in favor of that so mm-hmm. i remember she wrote me a pretty scathing letter about how uh, i was going to go to hell if i voted for this <laughs> wow <laughs> jeez and i i spent a lot of I, I sent her a nice letter back okay yeah I kind of and i sort of explained my philosophy and and understanding of that issue. <laughs> and we had a typing pool uh, that typed letters that we would dictate. And the gal that typed the letter came to me later and said, you know, that's the nicest letter that I had typed for a long time. So I took that as a nice compliment. Yeah, so. wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that must have been always interesting to, I guess, when you get messages from constituents, you never really know what you're going to get. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, 
but then you know lobbyists are lobbyists and you got a lot of you got a lot of information from uh uh from lobbying groups as to their positions on on uh, various issues and of course i was in Tippecanoe county which purdue's located there so i uh uh oops had a slip through that john hicks john hicks was uh represented the university in his relationship with the legislature so he would kind of keep me advised as what the university needs and wants were and uh so you take in that information and you try to be responsive to the and the university was one of my constituents so yeah i had to be wanted to be responsive responsive to their needs too sure yeah that makes sense do you remember the first bill that you sponsored in the general assembly no okay and <laughs> it's <laughs> Some people do. <laughs> an, I, I knew you were, but. you know, when we set up this appointment for this call, I thought, you know, I know he's going to ask me, what are the important bills I sponsored and all that. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, when I think back, uh, what people were interested in is just let me live a good life with a, not a lot of interference and give me some basics. Yeah. Like a good roads so that I can go see my kids and my grandkids. Right. You know, and, uh, it was a lot simpler then than it is now. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. What was the regular interaction like amongst members of the General Assembly? It was good. It was good. I mean, we had various little... I mean, obviously, there were Republicans and there were Democrats. Mm-hmm. And within the Republican Party, there were there was the Marion County interest. There are 15 legislators that they had and they tried to get through their Marion County uh, things that that the 15 legislators and Keith Bulin who's a Republican county chairman had tried to put together and then there were uh, rural and urban interests and uh, but but they didn't dictate uh, I mean they were just differences of opinion, but it didn't necessarily dictate the results of how it's going to be. It just sort of was how people viewed things. Mm-hmm. Sure. And what was the relationship like between Democrats and Republicans in your time? Uh, I mean, we had differences, but yeah, it came noon, we went out to lunch together. Uh, and if we needed... We had a controversial issue where uh, we were losing some Republicans and we needed some Democratic votes. Go to the majority leader and say, hey, we need three votes. Can you give us three votes? And say, well, give me a day to find out. Come back and say, yeah, we got, yeah, they'll, they'll support you on this issue. Of course, you know, three days later, they want something in return, but that was all right, too. That's what the Speaker of the House does. He manages those little... Uh, uh, controversies. Yeah. Okay. So, but it was not mean. It was not. <laughs> it was not mean. Yeah. Everyone. Everyone was courteous to one another. So I guess not like the sort of stereotype of of how people view re- that relationship today in American Correct. politics. Yeah. Yeah. No. What differences, if any, were there between members of the House and Senate? Oh, that was just. Like rural, urban. I mean, uh, I mean, senators are senators, and House members are House members. And I think the Senate members thought, you know, they represented a larger number of people than the House members, and they were more of the. Uh, but we got along fine. I mean, maybe we got along fine. Yeah. But it, but again, it was just something that allowed people to make a slight separation as to who you are and where you are. Well, I'm in the House, or I'm in the Senate, or I'm from Marion County, or I'm from uh, Sullivan, Indiana. You know, it just majored in, or I'm from north of Highway 40, or I'm from south of Highway 40. I mean, all of these little things kick in, but they were not big. They were just the way a person felt. Yeah. What did you think of the process for generating a bill? I thought it was great. I really did. I mean, 
you know, where it had to go through the committee and it had various readings. You had the right to amend the bill. It had to pass two houses. It had to be signed by the governor. And there were veto rights. And you could, uh, you know, the process was actually quite good. Yeah. Uh, uh, I thought it was very, very fair. Uh, and I know it developed over a period of years, long before I ever got there. But it was a, to me, it was an excellent system. Yeah. Okay. And how did you work to get support for any legislation that you authored? Uh, you work through your caucus. Uh, uh, through the uh, through the caucus primarily. And, yeah. Okay. And and one on one. And. What was that one-on-one process like outside of formal votes and committee meetings? Oh, where you just come up to a friend and say, I've got this bill coming up, hope you can support it. And they'd say, yeah, I will, or no, I won't. Uh, And then you talk to them and maybe try to convince them otherwise. It was all done on a friendly basis. Yeah, okay. So we had some. uh, You know, when when I was a freshman, uh, first year, which would have been the, the, the 60 calendar day session once every two years in 1966. That's before they had longer sessions. It was before they had annual sessions. Uh, uh, Bill Latz, uh, a rep, state rep from uh, Allen County, sat behind me. He was kind of a, a character. And, uh, and Ruckel's house, who was majority leader, uh, gave Lats and me a bill to to introduce and try to get through, and it was to, and he knew it wouldn't pass, and he told us it wouldn't pass, but we would get some good publicity on it. It was to create an ombudsman for the state of Indiana, so that people would have someone to talk to if they were having problems with any governmental agency in the state. Okay. So Lats and I had fun with that, but yeah. never got out of the house. Right. I think it even got out of committee, but it was fun. Yeah, okay. And so, did you have a pretty good sense of how people would vote prior to actually voting on a bill? Yeah. 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 Now, what about the roles of party leadership? How critical were they to determining if a a bill got passed or not? (laughs) you got to be kidding. (laughs) (laughs) The speaker was the father of the house. Okay. He said pretty much, (laughs) pretty much... uh, uh, when I was a majority leader, uh, I was majority leader for, well, Ruckel's house left after his first term in 66. I was majority leader in 68, 69, 70, well, four years. Uh, last year being uh, 72. And uh, Otis Bowen was speaker during those periods of time. And uh that was a period of time when uh, the Marion County delegation was trying to get uh, UNIGOV passed, yeah. which would expand the city of Indianapolis to all of the county except for a few places like Speedway. And uh, it was an important bill. It was an important bill for the Republican Party. It was an important bill for the city of Indianapolis. And uh, Dick Luger was mayor, and uh, Luger is a fine, intelligent individual, but he screwed up. Uh, he, Bowen was the the de- the Republican Marion County delegation was giving the caucus some problems by not supporting some things that Otis Bowen wanted sponsored. Mm. So Bowen was holding and not handing down the Unigov bill. Okay. Obulin got, I mean, uh, uh, Luger got a little miffed at that. So went on television at a press conference and gave out Doc Bowen's uh, private telephone number. Oh, my gosh. Living, and, and asked people to call him to convince him to vote for Unigov. Oh, my gosh. I mean, Bowen was really ticked off. I bet. Wow. He was ticked off. He goes, that bill is never going to be handed down. I promise you that. And uh, wow. I thought, oh, crap, this is not very good. So I let him cool down for a day, and then went and talked to him, and I said, Doc, you know, this is really important for the city of Indianapolis. And 
look, Luger messed up, but, uh, you know, just brush it off and move ahead because it's, it's more important that this bill passed. And eventually he did cool down and handed it down and it passed. That's interesting. So you played, I guess, a, a fairly substantial role in, in all of that to help get that moving along. Oh, deep in my heart, I knew that if I hadn't done that, Luger would never have been a United States senator. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. For the record, by the way. That's For the record, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it, yeah. it is interesting how little things can mean such a difference in the history of of what happens. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's true. Something that might just seem like a conversation could be a, a pivotal moment. Yes, so. yes. Yeah, little things. Right. Now, this is kind of a a fun question I, I like to ask. What does the public not know about the Indiana General Assembly and how it operates? Well, I mean, back then or now? Now I don't have the foggiest. Well, I guess uh, back then. But yeah. back then, uh, I don't know, a lot of the lobbyists did a lot of entertaining. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all had to stay in, I mean, it was 60 calendar days, and it was a fast-moving thing. We had to get a lot done. So we had to stay in Indianapolis pretty much full-time. So my first session, I stayed at the Claypool Hotel, which was a, the pits, um, but it was cheap, and I didn't have a lot of money. So, uh, you know, uh, but you get lonesome. Your wife's not there. Your family's not there. Yeah. And the lobbyists would have hotel rooms, and they would open them up, and you could go in, and uh, there'd be other legislators in there, and you could go in and socialize in those places and have a Coke and sometimes they've had food in there. So I, I would say that was probably not known by the general public, but the general public would be very skeptical of that now and say, Oh, well they, they influenced you, but did they influence me? Nah, I don't think they did. I just ate their food and left and forgot about it. <laughs> yeah. And, how did your legislative service affect your family life? You mentioned how hard it was being away for a couple months. Well, they, I mean, they survived. They turned out okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. We were all right. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, we functioned. We got along. We survived. Yeah, okay. That's good. What would you say was the most controversial legislative issue during your time in the assembly? Oh, uh, Doc Bowen was hot on property tax relief. Uh-huh. You know, there are only three ways that you can basically raise money to, to fund financially the state government. Yeah. That's through the taxation of property, property taxes, or what you buy, sales taxes, or what you earn, income taxes. And, uh, and sometimes those become unbalanced. Yeah. And one of those three-legged stools end up paying more and supporting more of the total cost than the other than the other two from an equity standpoint. Uh, Doc Bowen thought that property tax was 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 paying too much of that, and that other people who didn't own property were not paying their fair share. So, you know, property tax relief was that issue. But, I mean, the sub-issue was, yeah, you can only have property tax relief if you increase the income tax or the sales tax. So some people, the issue was increasing taxes, not yeah. decreasing taxes. So, you know, he tried to convince people it was a dollar-for-dollar dollar thing. You know, we're not going to spend more. They said, oh, yeah, you know, the politicians say that all the time, but they end up spending more. And uh, so it... It was a. It was probably the biggest issue during uh, my years in the legislature. Yeah. Okay. And what was eventually decided on that with property tax? Uh, he, uh, 
he got his plan passed yeah. and adopted. Uh, I think it increased both the sales and income tax. I can't quite remember, but and then the money did go into a property tax replacement fund, and property taxes were reduced at the time. Yeah. Okay. And that was big, particularly for farmers and businessmen who own, you know, businessmen who own property, uh, because that load was very heavy for them. Yeah. Sure. What legislation that you worked on took the most of your time? I can't remember. Um, I mean, my first session, I, I, I was a freshman. I was chairman of the Cities and Towns Committee. You know, I voted on the bills. I handled my Cities and Towns Committee as well as I could, and People didn't complain to the speaker, so I guess I did an okay job. Uh, but I can't remember what wonderful legislation I passed during my first 60-day session. Probably nothing, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but I can't remember. Okay. And then and then later on, I mean, I, I went from that 60-day session to becoming a chairman leader. So I was more concerned with leadership issues than with specific pieces of legislation and you know i would i would carry legislation for uh for some of the state offices like i you know in in essence was representing the governor and what legislation he wanted passed i was representing the secretary of state the attorney general and uh you know i tell you a story that ted sendak was the attorney general he loved this piece of legislation and i said ted i won't i won't pass he goes, well, no, yeah, well, I, yeah, just introduce it for me. I just, yeah, it'll pass, it'll pass. So I did. And the vote was one I and 99 nays. Uh, I was the only one that voted for it. And poor Ted Sendak, everyone was just laughing at him. I mean, it may not have been 99. There were probably some absent, but it was. there was only one vote in favor of that was right. my vote. I mean, come on, Ted. <laughs> sure. We're here. And what would you say was your most, well, sorry, what would you say was your proudest moment as a legislator? challenge you had to overcome during your time in office? Chairman of the Indiana State Highway Commission, 
and he told me he wanted certain things done, and and I developed a plan to get them done in the first four years, and we got them done, and he ran for election again, and won. I said, do you want to be chairman another four years? And no, I really don't. I mean, yeah, okay. I, I got everything done I wanted to get done, and it's just difficult. I mean, I could, but I'd, I'd be, you needed new people in there with new ideas, so I, that's probably a personality defect I have. Okay, so is that why you left the General Assembly then, was just you got kind of tired of it? Yeah, yep. And that's also interesting because I feel like most people don't do that. They just want to either stick around or they lose an election, so. Yeah, well, they, I mean, let's face it, there's a little pride in being a legislator. Yeah. And you you like the recognition of it, uh, which, which is fine. Yeah. What would you say is the most important work of the Indiana General Assembly? Oh, probably trying to differentiate what's best for the people versus their prejudicial views based on their politics or their background or whatever. Uh, I don't know. That's that's hard to say. I think. Okay. And Sorry, I have so many I don't know. No, that's okay. Well, I mean, it's, it's you know, it was a while ago, so I don't blame you. <laughs> um, let's see. Now, these are some, when I was doing some research before this interview, uh, some different topics seem to be talked a lot uh, about in the newspapers, and uh, just wanted to see if you remember anything about them. Uh, so do you remember a bill that was going to lower the voting age to 18 in the night in like 1971? I sponsored it. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, tell me a little bit about that and, and what made you come up with that idea and, uh, you know, how was it, what was the response to it? I guess. Uh, um, again, I was majority leader at the time. Uh, this had been talked about publicly through media and everything is it was a time to lower the voting age to 18. I mean, 18 year olds were going into the service there in the Vietnam yeah. and all of that, all of that was a time to do it. And, you know, it was just as a political party thing, we said, let's get out in front of this and let's do it, you know? Yeah. And so we did it. Okay. That's cool. And uh, so was it received pretty well then for the most part? Yeah, it was. Everyone yeah. thought it made sense. So. Yeah. But, I mean, now there's talk about lowering the voting age to 16. Yeah. Do I think that's a good idea? No, I don't. <laughs> do I think 18 is a good age? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. Do I think it ought to be increased to 21? No. Do I yeah. think it ought to be decreased to 16? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I understand. Uh, what about this a uh, bill about wiretapping. Do you remember anything about that? No. Nope. Like, <laughs> that does not ring a bell 1969, I guess, about, like, the ability for police to, to do wiretapping or something to catch criminals. <laughs> no, it's right. interesting. Okay. No, I don't remember that. So how would you summarize your time as a state legislator? Uh, uh, a great learning experience for me. I mean, I was... Uh, I was first elected in, what, 1966, and I was 29 years old, uh, about your age. Uh, and so it was it was a learning experience. I was still young enough, you know, that I I learned a lot and, and met a lot of interesting people, and, and uh, it was a great, ex- a great experience for me. Yeah, sure. Do you have a, a favorite story or memory from your time as a legislator? I probably do. Uh, well, I, you know, I think the election of Otis Bowen as speaker was was kind of interesting. That wasn't legislative, but that was part of the legislative process of electing a speaker. And when the first vote was. 33 to 33 and 
and uh, how people had committed votes to various candidates, but a lot of the, uh, several of the people that uh, had committed to Howard said, I'll just commit to you on the first vote. So they switched in on the second vote. So, uh, you know, that was, that built, uh, uh, helped build the career of a very uh, successful human being in the state of Indiana, a guy that I, you know, I really respected and loved a lot. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've, you know, even his life in Washington and when he was Secretary of Health and Human Services, uh, interesting stories. I don't know if you've read his book or not. Yeah, I have, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, what lessons, if any, did you learn from your time in the General Assembly? Did you have any regrets as a legislator? advice would you give to future legislators or even current legislators? None. None. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, they just roll their eyes anyway, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and say, thank you, sir. <laughs> uh, well, I figured I'd ask you. Anyway, all right. How was, uh, the state of Indiana changed over the course of your lifetime. Now, 
people wouldn't even understand what you're talking about if you said that now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember driving. My father had some cousins in Sista Park, Illinois. So we we drove down 43 and then cut over west on Highway 24, which was a two-lane roadway in Indiana. But we hit the Illinois border, and you've probably never heard of this, Ben, but it was a one-and-a-half-lane road. That's interesting, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a U.S. Well, highway that was a lane and a half. Weird. I mean, every every time a car came towards you, you kind of had to scoot off the road. <laughs> and then wow. you get back on again. Yeah, it's really it's strange. It's difficult, really, to... Uh, comprehend yeah yeah that's bizarre uh, you think well what did the interstate system do to the city of indianapolis oh my goodness what would what would indianapolis be without you know 465 and the and the and with all of the interstate transportation systems that it has yeah um, yeah uh it's just and the railroad industry has been great in indiana because to get to Chicago from the east, you gotta go through Indiana, right. which is, uh, is which is which is pretty good. Uh, you know, we've got uh, ports now in the north, like Michigan and on the Ohio River, and and uh, we keep trying to build a good transportation system. But one of the issues currently in the Indiana legislature is increasing the uh, the weight limits for trucks in Indiana. Oh my goodness! Do they tear apart the roads now and the bridges? Oh yes, they do. Yeah. Will it be worse if they increase the weights? Oh yes, it will. So yeah, yeah. Be prepared if that happens. Right. Uh, but again, the truckers are a heavy lobbying group, and uh, uh, so it's a it's an important issue. Yeah. Okay. And you know, one of the things that I did when I was chairman of the Highway Commission was, uh, Otis. Bowen wanted all of the mainline interstates done in a four-year period of time. And at the time, he was staying at the top of the Riley Towers in Indianapolis. And he took me up there and he said, and we walked around, it was night, it was dusk. And he said, we walked all the way around. He said, look, and there was all of the interstate going through Indianapolis that was dirt, weeds. Wow. That one piece of asphalt there. Yeah. And he goes, I want all of this done. I want all of the main lines, interstates in Indiana done at the end of 1976. So, I mean, we had great engineers and they loved the challenge. And, uh, once, and <laughs> during my four years as chair of the Highway Commission, uh, Nixon had withheld uh, uh, highway monies. And so the Supreme Court eventually released, forced him to release those monies, and we knew it was kind of coming. So I told my engineers, I said, if you get me, I can't remember how many, let's say 30 projects on the shelf, when this money gets released, it's going to be first come, first serve. We're going to have money to get all these projects done. So I want all of these projects on the shelf within, I don't know how many days, 90 days, 120 days. And when you do it, I'm going to take you all over to Howard Johnson's across the street and buy you a beer. <laughs> and, you know, they did it for a beer. Oh, boy. They just worked their fannies off, and uh, it, was, it was fun. Yeah. But, you know, we ran out of money. The, because the, the Federal Highway, the way the, the monies were distributed for the interstates was that those that had the most needs got the most money. Well, as your needs mar- narrowed, you got next to nothing. So we came up with this plan that the Indiana Department of Highways would borrow the money from another state agency. And when the feds paid them back over a period of years, we would pay back that money. And it's not a lot of money now. I think it was like $42 million. But then it was a lot of money. And the legislature passed it. So we were able to get all those mainline interstates done during that four-year period of time. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's not legislative. I'm sorry. But we took it to the legislature. That counts. Yeah. It's connected. So. <laughs> Now, I know we touched upon this a little bit earlier on, but uh, how has politics changed in Indiana? I don't know. I'm out of politics. Okay. Uh, Fair enough. uh, 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 I mean, politics is politics. Uh, Yeah. I think it's now more conservative liberal politics than Republican-Democrat politics. Yeah. 
I know that there's a tendency to say the Republicans are more conservative than the Democrats, but uh, but if you put the two together, back when I was in the legislature, there was a large overlay. I mean, if you could put it on a spreadsheet or a chart, the Republicans who were in the legislature and the Democrats who were in the legislature, there would be a lot of overlapping in the middle. Okay, so a lot more moderate people, I guess. Yes, there were, more, there were Democrats who were more conservative than I was, probably. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think you find that. Put that down. Yeah, that'd probably be pretty rare, I guess. Yeah. All right. Now, last few questions here. Um, what, if any, enduring qualities do Hoosiers still have or hold dear? Don't you come up with these questions? <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to keep you on your feet, you know what I'm saying? Hoosiers hold dear. Well, honestly. I mean, when you compare us <laughs> to the, our neighbor to the West, uh, that's a good comparison. Yeah. I have a son that lives, uh, he's retired and just moved to uh, Tennessee from Colorado. And I said, well, who are your neighbors? He goes, well, mostly there are people trying to escape Illinois. Okay. So I didn't understand that. Interesting, yeah. Wow. Uh, I don't know. There's, I think there's still a, Good threat of honesty in Indiana. Uh, I think there's some, still some good politicians. Yeah. All right. And last one. What do you want Hoosiers to know about their role in relation to the function of the Indiana General Assembly? <sighs> Repeat the question again. Yeah. What do you want Hoosiers to know about their role in relation to the function of the Indiana General Assembly? Well, voting is an important responsibility, and try to examine the candidates and look for the candidates who you think will most represent not only you but your neighbors and your community uh, and uh, get off of this... uh, right-wing conservative progressive thing and stay those issues and just try to get somebody who's got a brain and it's going to be honest and just do a good job uh not someone who represents quote your interests mm-hmm. broaden your perspective a little bit think of your neighbors yeah okay well is there anything uh that I didn't ask about that you wanted to mention or that you thought of or um, no I think you pretty well hit on uh, interesting points it's uh, very good great okay well thank you so much for, for doing this uh, I really appreciate it I think it'll be a, a nice addition to the project so appreciate yeah your time good yeah. luck with your project sounds good alright All right. thank you bye bye